We're talking Senior Bowl again today, but how does Anthony Richardson factor into it? Let's get to it. You are Locked On Colts, your daily Indianapolis Colts podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for tuning in and making us your first listen of the day or last one. It is about the turn of the midnight hour almost. So whatever time you're listening, welcome. This is your daily podcast covering your Indianapolis Colts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your bet of $5 or more wins. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. What is up, my friends? This is Jake Arthur from HorseshoeHuddle.com. And today it is day two of the Senior Bowl. I'm going to give you guys my thoughts, what I saw out there. Um, I will also bring you the highlights from the chats that I had today, uh, both after practice and at uh, today was media day as well. Uh, and then like normal, we'll go over the offensive and defensive standouts from uh the second to last practice of the week. Uh, so first up, again, let's let's go ahead and, and dive into these conversations I had today. Uh, so first, I talked to Colts assistant linebackers coach Cato June. Uh, he, of course, is coaching the edge guys and the linebackers for the American team. Uh, just a little background. He also coming out of Michigan back in the day, like 2003, 2004, uh, he was a safety at Michigan. And when the Colts drafted him, they drafted him to play safety. So he has played in the Senior Bowl, and he is another one of those Senior Bowl guys who played a different position in the pros than they did in their final years in college. Uh, so I spoke to him first a little bit just about coaching the Senior Bowl, his experiences in the Senior Bowl. Um, you know, what is the advantage for players to come to the Senior Bowl first and get their their pre-draft process started at the senior bowl rather than skipping it and then starting it at the combine or you know pre-draft workouts your pro day what have you and uh cato said basically from an evaluator standpoint it's an advantage for these players because you know when you're at the combine or these workouts you're not really doing football activities you're being a workout warrior you're showing how fast you are how high you can jump all that stuff but at the senior bowl you're literally being evaluated in a true real football setting. Uh, they can see how you move as a football player while playing real competitive football, basically. Uh, so it's kind of the same thing in terms of, again, guys like him who played a different position in college than they would move on to in the pros. Um, I asked him about that. You know, the senior bowl, it's very, very common when you've got these guys in college who are kind of in tweener positions, you know, maybe they've, they're a safety linebacker hybrid type of player. Maybe you don't know if they're an edge or a linebacker. The senior bowl is really where you start to see definition to the role that the NFL wants them to play. And so there's always guys like that. Like Cato has one right now, for example, uh, James Williams was a safety in the pros. Uh, it looks like he's going to be playing some linebacker now. Um, could, could go back to safety a little bit in the combine. We'll see. Uh, but at the Senior Bowl, he's been playing some linebacker. 
he basically just said, you know, the the movement is, is a big key that he mentioned quite a bit in that. Like they want to see how these guys move um, and how it looks for them to play those positions. And again, it's important to see it at the senior bowl when you're actually playing football rather than it being just completely simulated and you're with a group of guys just working out at the combine. Uh, so very important when guys are offered the opportunity to go to the senior bowl and they're not like a top five lock to go there and show what they've got because it's it's the closest evaluation that teams can have to what you're actually going to look like when you get on their practice field after they draft you. Uh, so it was really good stuff there. I also, of course, I had to ask him about Zaire Franklin's Pro Bowl snub, um, and he had some really strong words there. He he called it um, he called it highway robbery, and it, he just was very much against it. I, I mean, again, Zaire has broken the franchise tackle record two years in a row, but it's not just all about tackles. Uh, the guy makes a huge impact. He seeks and destroys what's in front of him. Uh, he's very smart. He's a great leader. Um, so Kato said, you know, eventually he'll, he'll get those pro bowls. He'll get those all pro nods and we'll forget about these days where he's, you know, being snubbed from the pro bowl because it won't matter because those, those bigger accolades will come. Uh, so it was good to catch up with him and, and kind of knock those things out. Uh, there were some, some players that I was really intrigued to talk to where maybe we could get some Colts ties to them, whether, you know, there's guys they compare to on the Colts, guys they know on the Colts, or guys that make a lot of sense for the Colts to draft. So uh, one of them was Tennessee quarterback Joe Milton, who uh, earlier in the week I, I told you guys that at the start of the college, this latest college football season, a lot of people were pointing at Joe Milton, uh, Tennessee quarterback, and saying he could be this year's Anthony Richardson. He's a big dude has a comparable frame to Anthony. I think he's like 6'4", 6'5", uh, 235, 240. Really big frame, cannon for an arm, really athletic. Um, but I honestly started, when I was talking to him today, I started to see how similar they actually are, like in their demeanor. Um, you know, in between plays also on the field, they're very loose. They're having fun with it. They're paying attention and they're working on their craft. But they 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 aren't um just so rigid like they're having fun with their teammates like they you can tell they enjoy being out there on the field playing football and even practicing football uh so he was asked about comparisons to richardson he, he said you know he doesn't mind that that makes him feel good because a guy like richardson shot up the draft boards especially shortly after this time fast forward about a month it's the combine Richardson blows the roof off the place, does it again at his pro day, and suddenly he's a top five pick. So I think a guy like Milton has dreams of, of something like that. I, I Nothing I've seen says he's going to be drafted that high. Um, but still, if he tests very well at the combine, even somewhat comparable to what Anthony did, I, I think there's going to start being some conversations with teams about, this is this is a guy we would like to take a chance on. And I, I think it makes sense for if the Colts decide to go in a different way at, at backup quarterback and not bring back Gardner Minshew, you get a guy like Joe Milton. He's he's not as now Anthony wasn't even really polished when he came to the Colts. 
but Milton isn't even really as polished as Anthony was at this point. So he's kind of already like a diet version of what Anthony was. They're not necessarily the same. I don't want to make it seem like they're the same players because I've been watching Milton this week and obviously watching Anthony, I think his athleticism comes up. There's several examples on like every drive where you see that Anthony is just different. He moves different. He has this special playmaking ability and an ability to create something out of nothing that just not everybody has. And I don't see that with Milton yet. Like maybe there's more to it. Um, But in terms of height, weight, speed, athleticism, arm strength, those things, it's something that teams and and probably a guy like Shane Steichen could be intrigued by. Um, And Milton is also, he's got a great attitude. I I think there's things there where he's a good leader. Uh, So not not a bad guy there. It, It was good to get to talk to him. Someone else who does have legitimate ties to Richardson, though, uh, Florida wide receiver Ricky Pearsall. Uh, He was their leading receiver the last two years. He was Richardson's leading receiver. Uh, In in me talking to people who cover Florida, uh, Pearsall was about the only receiver that Richardson seemed to, like, have true chemistry with. Uh, I asked Pearsall about Anthony today, and – he said they have kept in contact. Anthony texted him before the Senior Bowl and, you know, just wished him good luck there. Pearsall had a great first day. Anthony texted him again, you know, started hyping him up, saying, you know, I, I saw you had a big day. Keep it up, man. That's great. And I asked him, I was like, you know, how how cool would that be to reunite with him? And he said that would be special to, to you know, run it back with Anthony and be teammates again. So uh, that's definitely something we – we know the Colts need some more some more playmaking ability on offense. And Pearsall is a guy who has great athleticism. He's a great route runner, great hands. I don't know. I think it makes a lot of sense. You got to find room. Where does he fit in there? Um, but if if they need more playmaking ability on offense and you're looking for a guy who doesn't really need to form chemistry with Anthony because it's already there, I think Pearsall is a really good option. Uh, another guy that's really intriguing and a potential option for the Colts at 15 if he's there, uh, UCLA edge defender Liatu Latu, uh, arguably the best pass rusher edge defender in the draft. Uh, really, his only concern is medicals. He had a neck injury earlier in his college career when he was at Washington, and he was encouraged to stop playing football and, and briefly retired. Uh, before he transferred and moved on to UCLA. Now, he doesn't say he has concern for it. He's not scared for the medical checks at the combine. Uh, he basically said, you you just have to control the only things you can control. And ever, ever since, you know, he's got to UCLA, he looks awesome. He's a very, very polished, ready day one pass rusher. Like whatever team he goes to, he's probably going to be their best pass rusher right off the bat. Very, very, very good player. Um, not necessarily super bendy and like the twitchy athletic type, but he's got a really good blend of power. And he already knows how to, he's already got a book of pass rush moves. Uh, so this guy's ready to get sacks right away. He's been great during the senior bowl, has had sacks on both, would be sacks on both days in the 11 on 11s. Um, but I asked him, I was like, you, you know, is there anything? still left for you to accomplish 
on Thursday, the last day of practice. And on Saturday, he's like, I, I just need to put my stamp on this on, on this week that I am the best pass rusher in the draft. And so that's really the only thing left for him to prove. Like medicals, he can't control that. Whatever's going to show up is going to show up. But he can perform at a high level the rest of the week here at the Senior Bowl and at the Combine. And some some team, as long as his medicals check out, I think there's going to be several teams that would be more than happy to bring him on. I think the Colts would be one of them. They have edge rushers already, yes. Um, but that's a position where you can never have too many and you just find a way to deal with your abundance of uh, bodies at that position. So they have other areas of need more than edge rusher, obviously, but I don't think Chris Ballard is going to pass over a, a potentially high level pass rushing prospect just because they already have some decent guys on the roster. Uh, and then the last guy I talked to today, Miami safety, Cameron Kitchens. Uh, I know a lot of you guys out there in, uh, in Colts Nation are big on this guy. Arguably the top safety in the draft. Uh, he's more of a single high guy, free safety, ball hawk, really good ball skills, really smart and instinctive as well. Uh, he is the type of safety that I tend to like fall in love with every year. Um, these safeties that just have natural football IQ and instincts, like they find themselves in the right place at the right time. They see what's happening in front of them. They diagnose so much quicker than everybody else. He's that type of guy. And he really impressed me uh, with what we talked about today. You know, I, I asked him what makes you the best safety in the draft. And, you know, he's, he said his desire to go get the ball essentially. Uh, but we also talked about, you know, what goes on behind the scenes to, you know, make sure you can be a ball hawk because when you're a safety, that stuff doesn't always just fall in your lap. It's a lot of preparation to be able to diagnose those things. And uh, he said something that really impressed me. He said, uh, people always say safety is an easy position. He said, I think it's an easy position to be all right at, but it's a hard position to be great at. It takes all that preparation behind the scenes. And to me, that that just screams that's a guy that's not satisfied with just being drafted and maybe even being a starter and just being like an adequate starter. Like he wants to be great. He wants to be the best. Like he doesn't want to just be the best safety in this draft. He wants to go on and dominate and be awesome. And he has that drive to do it. He's a great leader. He puts the work in, again, behind the scenes, film study, leadership, practice, weight room, all that stuff. Uh, and again, he he said communication is such a big key uh, because e even if you're learning things on the fly while you're out there, you, got, you have to talk or there's just going to be breakdowns. We've seen it with the Colts. Um, you know, Ron Miles, defensive backs coach, he basically won't put you out there unless you're a great communicator. It's why Rodney McLeod earned such a prominent role so early last year over Nick Cross. They liked Nick Cross, obviously, that, you know, he was plenty athletic and everything, but they just needed the communication back there that a veteran like Rodney McLeod provides. We know Julian Blackman provides that. Now, Kinchins is going to be a rookie when he comes in, but he's already got that mature leadership style. Like he already is someone, he wants the whole unit to be great. He doesn't want to just be a star out there on his own. He wants the whole defensive unit to be great. And if he's the type of person that can help with his communication and leadership, then that's what he's going to do.
So really good chats I had today. I'll, I'll uh, I should have more of those coming tomorrow. Uh, but next up, we are going to go ahead and talk about the offense. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts that you need at the prices that you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply, eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available in U.S. customers. All right, so there were some standouts today on offense, both the uh, national teams and American teams. Uh, we'll start out with just some stuff that went on during the one-on-one -on -one drills, the passing drills. Uh, so I thought the receivers really took center stage for both teams today. Uh, the quarterbacks were a little better. Um, I feel like Michael Penix was probably a little bit over the all, all over the place with his accuracy, uh, but I thought it was a little step better than on Tuesday. Uh, one guy, quarterback-wise, that really stood out to me actually was Carter Bradley, Gus Bradley's son. Uh, he just really stepped up, and he had he probably had the most big-time throws of of any of the other quarterbacks today. Uh, he just had some. He was very decisive. He had zip on the ball. There was this throw he had up up the seam that was really impressive to me. Um, but otherwise, outside of that, again, before I go on a long tangent, we'll, we'll keep with the one on ones. Uh, so Notre Dame quarterback Sam Hartman uh, hit Florida wide receiver Ricky Pearsall, who we mentioned earlier, uh, up against Washington State cornerback Charles Smith Wade. Uh, it was a really impressive rep. Uh, this was, you know, about 30, 40 yard uh, touchdown. Uh, hit him along the right side, and Pearsall had to jump and, and got right in there in the front pylon. Uh, later, Penix hit uh, wide receiver USC wide receiver Brendan Rice. Uh, that's been a pretty popular connection. Uh, Rice got in on a, a deep post route over Notre Dame quarterback, cornerback Cam Hart. Uh, now, Rice is kind of, I don't want to say polarizing, but he's been he's been interesting. He's doing his job, but even when he's doing well, he's not really crossing off the questions people had about him. Like his ability to separate is one thing that's really like a concern for people. He's making all these catches, but they're all contested catches. Like, very rarely is he leaving guys in the dust. Like, he's again, he's bringing them down, but I question in the NFL how easy that's going to be for him to do with guys draped all over him. So he's a very good contested catch guy, but it's it seems to be because he's not getting very good separation. Uh, later, Sam Hartman hit uh, UNC wide receiver. Tez Walker on a pair of nice touchdowns on one-on-ones. Now, I thought Walker's day started out nice. I was really impressed by it. Uh, he had, again, a couple of, of nice long touchdowns from Hartman on a post and then a corner route, uh, both against Virginia State cornerback Willie Drew. But then the drops kind of started coming for Walker. Uh, after that, you know, he had those, those nice touchdowns, but then at least like three or four drops during the 11-on-11s. 
uh, had one or so in, in the one-on-one. So not his best day. I thought he did he did better Tuesday. Uh, but that's a guy who's fast and has playmaking ability. When you look at the, they have the the metrics on the big screen for like play speed and, and you know air, air yards for the quarterbacks on their passes and everything. Tess Walker ranks right up there a lot in terms of play speed. So as long as he can come down with the ball and get rid of the the drops at least a little more consistently, uh, that is a, that's a guy who I think is a, is a big time playmaker. Uh, looking over at 11 on 11s, more of the scrimmage periods. Uh, Troy running back Kamani Vidal had a pair of big plays. Uh, one of them, he just hit a wide open lane to the left. I mean, most running backs should be able to do it, but he was there. He was the guy with the ball. It was a legitimate big pickup. Uh, but he also had one where he created his own yards after catch. Just kind of a short dump off over the middle, but he ran up the gut right up, up after. He turned up field. Uh, you know, made a guy miss and, and found plenty of green grass in front of them. Uh, and then Arizona, we're going to get more into the wide receivers here for sure. Arizona wide receiver, Jacob Cowing, Michigan wide receiver, Roman Wilson, again, Ricky Pearsall and uh, Rice. Those guys had several big plays today uh, in a variety of different ways. Uh, Cowing is just, I feel like he's consistently there. He, I feel like he makes a lot of big plays along the boundaries. Uh, you throw him something that's challenging where either only he can get it outstretched on the outside or even, you know, a, con, a contested catch there. He's usually coming down with it. He's definitely someone I've become a lot more intrigued with. Uh, Roman Wilson and Pearsall, again, have had two really solid days now. Wilson catches everything. He had a great one-handed snag today. You, you guys have maybe seen the, the replays of that. I know there's some videos of it out there. Uh, one guy who was kind of projected to be maybe the, the top receiver at the Senior Bowl this year was South Carolina wide receiver Xavier Leggett. Kind of quiet on Tuesday, but he opened up a bit more on Wednesday. He had a couple really awesome catches. Uh, one was off of a bobble, and he, he came down with it and was able to keep going. But another one was this awesome – it was like he had to jump up and, like, pirouette along the sideline and it was just over the out the outstretched hands of the defender it was a really nice kind of just how the whole thing came together the concentration to get it over the defender's hand and adjust in the air how we did it was it was a big rebound day for him today uh, and then florida state receiver johnny wilson who's just a, a unit he's one of those guys is he a receiver is he a tight end 66237. Um, guys like that, you know, especially at receiver, I don't feel like they always move that well. They're not they're not smooth operators when it comes to how they they move around. But he was getting a peculiar amount of separation today and yards after the catch. Uh, he was just a lot smoother than those guys. They're usually very rigid or they don't dip or bend their hips very well. Uh, but he just actually looked Really, he looked he looked like any other normal, smaller 6'1 receiver doing it, fast guy, but in this huge frame. And I, I think there's, there's always going to be questions when you have those enormous receivers of whether they can actually do that. You know, sure, there's some on film, but like he was actually doing it in person. So I'm very interested there um, to see if, if that's something that's going to be more consistent for him. 
I think his combine will be very important to see how he actually does move in short, short area situations. Uh, Cause I mean, re receivers have to move in a phone booth a lot. And for a guy that big, you're going to have to see what that actually looks like uh, because a lot of offenses don't have ways to scheme up receivers that are that big, that lack, you know, fluidity, I guess. They can do it for tight ends, but not every big receiver can be a tight end. Uh, so he's just definitely someone to, to bear watching. Uh, Southeastern Missouri wide receiver Ryan Flournoy, great day today too. Uh, he is showing some really awesome speed. So defensive backs are giving him plenty of cushion um, when it comes up to these one-on-ones. He is immediately eating up the cushion and then bypassing the defensive back and getting immediate downfield separation. Uh, so those guys, those type of guys just have like terrific play speed. If you're a defensive back, it is so demoralizing to be giving the cushion and then it gets immediately erased. And then there's the guy five, 10 yards behind you already. And Fornoy did that on consecutive plays, you know, consecutive reps for him. Uh, on Wednesday. Now, neither pass was completed. It, they weren't very good throws. They were just uh, a little too far, but he did his part. He looked great doing that. A lot of Alec Pierce vibes that, this year, you know, beating your man deep and then maybe not getting the best pass going your way. Uh, so a little, little unfortunate trip down memory lane there. Uh, again, we mentioned Tez Walker, very topsy-turvy day for him. I wanted it to go better because it started out so well. Uh, but, you know, he'll have to rebound on Thursday, maybe even Saturday as well. Uh, Carter Bradley mentioned his big day. Kentucky running back Ray Davis. Uh, so he has been balling out as a pass catcher, and that's been pretty surprising to some people because one of the bigger questions about his game was the pass catching. It just wasn't a big part of what he's been asked to do at Kentucky. But not only is he catching the ball consistently this week, but he's making like highlight reel catches. He's had like at least four of them that I can think of. They're very athletic. They're, he's having to leave his feet on a lot of them. One of them was a one-handed catch. Like this guy's got the pass catching to him. Uh, and he can do it in a variety of ways. He can make very difficult catches. I think what we'll probably need to see is him making the routine catches though, because not everything that goes his way is going to be some big spectacular highlight real thing. Like you have to make the routine ho-hum dump offs, you know, outlet passes. Uh, so we'll see how that goes, but I'm very, very impressed by Ray Davis. That's he's turned out to be one of my guys so far. And then uh, one of my other offensive standouts, Utah right tackle uh, Satoa Lomea. He had a really nice pancake block uh, earlier today. And then a, a couple really good pass reps that I noticed uh, in drills where he just, you know, he was able to mirror guys' movements. And then when they did get engaged, if the guy tried to bull rush him, he stayed pat and had a good anchor. So that was, that was it for the offense. Uh, we'll, we'll bring you more. The offense definitely loads up the my notebook every day. So I'll definitely have more for you guys on uh, after Thursday's show. But coming up next, we will talk about the defense. Happy Super Bowl to all of those who celebrate from our friends at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite snacks, and placing some bets. 
Due to how much I'm probably going to eat and drink during the game, I am unlikely to be the MVP at my workplace the next day. But Patrick Mahomes is the early best bet for the Super Bowl MVP on FanDuel, which I feel much, much better about. Uh, FanDuel has so many ways for you guys to end your season with a dub or two or three even, depending on how many bets you put in there. Not only can you bet on who's going to win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score touchdowns, how many points to be scored, much, much more. I've already looked on there. They've already got a ton of props on there. There's, there's already a lot of special bets as well. Uh, so go ahead and check it out now before the game. New customers. Also, you guys, if you join today, you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. So just visit FanDuel.com slash on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Let's get defensive, y'all, before we close this out. Uh, so there were some uh, defensive backs who had some, some nice plays today. So Virginia State corner Willie Drew did get victimized a few times in one-on-ones. Uh, but there was another one I thought he had a he had some really competitive reps, no matter if he lost them or not. Uh, but he had I thought he had a really solid pass breakup against Brendan Rice on one of them. Again, I mentioned Rice has not been getting great separation. Uh, but Drew really he he's kind of seems like the type of corner that has the short memory. He gets beat, but he doesn't let it eat him up in his mind. Like he's just on to the next play. Uh, so I did like that. Like if guys are kind of getting beat on, I like to see that they come back and are still competitive, show a little bit of confidence. And he was doing that. Uh, same with Cam Hart. He did have a, a play where he got beat pretty bad, but he came back and had two or three really nice reps throughout the day that I noticed um, where they were really nice coverage, where he was on just on the receiver's hip pocket or he was breaking up passes uh, there was one in one-on-ones where he was just smothering Tez Walker. Um, pass never had a chance. Like, the ball wasn't even close. Walker wasn't able to get anywhere remotely near it because Cam Hart was just all over it. It was a really good rep from him. Uh, Washington State cornerback, Chow Smith-Wade, that's another guy that I mentioned got beat earlier. Uh, he had an interception in, one- in one-on-ones against uh, Oregon quarterback Bo Nix. It was intended for Jacob Cowing. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was just kind of an intermediate cross from the right side. And uh, Smith Wade just jumped around. It was, it was really nice. Uh, really nice way for him to read the pass because I don't think he had the inside track to begin with. He had to kind of adjust and jump ahead of the uh, of the receiver. So that was a nice adjustment from him. And 11 on 11s, uh, we're seeing a lot of sacks, definitely. Uh, I, I think Michael Penix has been getting sacked quite a bit. Uh, there was a group sack against him where it's like there's so many so many guys and the pocket collapses so hard you can't even attribute it to one guy. Uh, so there's been a couple days in a row where there's been a group sack against Penix. Uh, Kansas Edge Austin Booker for the second day in a row, he got another would-be sack. That one was against Penix as well. Uh, Laotu Latu got another one. Uh, that one was against Bo Nix. He's stacking them together as well, multiple days in a row with sacks. Same with Florida State defensive tackle Braden Fisk. Now, this one, you could call it a sack. If it wasn't going to be a sack, it was going to be a pass breakup. Uh, He charged the quarterback into the back of the quarterback's own end zone, had his hands up all up in the quarterback's grill. Would have been a pass breakup or a sack. 
safety. It was a great play no matter what it was. Uh, I've been pretty impressed by Fisk, Fisk so far. Uh, Rutgers cornerback Max Melton had one of the better defensive plays of the day. Uh, CUSC running back Marshawn Lloyd caught a pass along the left side, and Melton just went in and punched the ball out and was able to recover it as well. And that was too much, much, much fanfare from uh, the defensive sideline. Uh, that was a big play from him. Uh, Jay Robbins, if, if you guys follow him on Twitter, he actually talked with Melton quite a bit after practice, and he got kind of the, the breakdown of what Melton saw on that one. So go check that out if you haven't already. Uh, Georgia safety Javon Bullard has put together a couple really nice days. Uh, it's been primarily what I've noticed from him, pass breakups during 11-on-11s. I mean, one-on-ones are a lot of times the defense gets on a roll. And it's, you know, it's not a big deal who wins the rep necessarily. You're, it's not about the pass breakup. It's about your positioning and winning winning that matchup, not even necessarily with a catch. It's just, it's about the route. It's about the coverage. Uh, so when it comes in the 11-on-11s in these scrimmages during live football, I'm, I've been really impressed with Bullard's ability to kind of sniff out where the ball is going to go and quickly get to it uh, in time for him to break up the pass. He's, he's been a big one this week. Same thing with Auburn cornerback DJ James. Um, competitive all week. I, I haven't really noticed him getting beat very often at all. Um, if he has, it hasn't been bad ones. Again, he's been attacking the ball. One-on-ones, 11-on-11s, uh, very tight coverage a lot of the time that I've noticed him. Uh, so he's got a, a nice couple days as well. And then a lot of people are wondering about Utah safety, Sione Vaki. Uh, he's kind of a Swiss Army knife. Where is he going to play? I have noticed him play both strong and free safety so far. Haven't noticed him play anywhere else like linebacker or slot or anything. But I've seen him play deep cover three safety, and I've seen him – go up in the box as well. So they're they're cross-training him at both positions, it seems like, but he's obviously a guy who has the experience and the frame to be able to do both. So I'm going to stop talking for now. We went very long on this one. I'll, uh, I'll be back with you guys tomorrow after Thursday's practice. Locked On, though, let me tell you about this. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On plus our national shows covering every league. So go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. And of course, if you guys don't already, follow at Locked On Colts, at NFL, and at ZachHicks2 on Twitter. Also be sure to subscribe here on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts. We will love your ratings and reviews as well. It helps us very, very much. And with that, we will see you beautiful people tomorrow.